So I want to talk a little bit about the recognition rules of drug in sports. And I want to start by talking a little bit about what exactly the role of the athletic trainer is in all of this. And so we're kind of coming back again to this theme of drug abuse and, and what do we do as athletic trainers. And, and the, one of the biggest things is just being able to recognize those signs and symptoms of drug abuse. And I know that we've, we've talked about this at nauseum to this point, so I'm not going to go over them again, but just always kind of keeping those in the back of your mind whenever you're interacting with your patients. Um, uh, but more importantly, too, I, I want to talk a little bit about what other roles we have, and, and that's to act as an educator and a counselor. And I, I don't mean in the sense of, of a counselor like we're going to provide mental health services, but but kind of act as that stopgap or that first aid procedure between the time that a patient may approach you to the time where we can get them to a trained mental health professional. Um, and so we always want to be respectful of our patients and, and understand that what they're experiencing or what they're going through is very real to them. And it may not be very real to me, but it is real to them. And so I'll give you an example. So I remember one time I was playing with my niece and she um, she and I were playing, I don't know, kitchen or something, whatever. And um, I made a joke to her that I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired of playing. I'm going to go take a nap. And I was going to take a nap in her bed. Well, her demeanor switched from happy as a clam to just downright screaming hysterically, temper tantrum, just awful, and having a complete meltdown. Because while to me, I was joking, and it was, I know it's a joke, and I'm certainly not going to fit into her bed, because at the time she was two, two and a half, and I'm not going to fit into the bed of a two and a half year old. Um, but to her, it was very real. And it was it was a sign that her her sanctuary, her bed was going to be taken away from her. And so she had a complete meltdown. And so, you know, you try to calm her down, you try to talk to her about it. And, and eventually we got her there. But but to her, that was a very real scenario, a very real um, stressor and um, trigger for her. So we have to act as such and, and approach it as such. So we have to be adaptable in how we approach these patients, how we treat these patients, and understand that there's individual patient needs um, and goals and methods in which we're going to approach all of this. Um, and understand that for a lot of this stuff, it's multidimensional um, treatment and focusing on um, uh, treating the patient as a whole person and not just as one single aspect of, of mental health. So how do we do this? Well, first and foremost is we have good communication skills. And we're going to do a lot of active listening, for example. So I'm going to listen to what the patient's going to say to me. I'm going to acknowledge through body language and through reciprocal uh, verbal communication that I understand by saying, from what I hear that you're saying, you're telling me X, Y, and Z, or what I think you're saying is this, maybe you could clarify, or does that sound right to you and go from there. Um, don't paraphrase verbatim, use your own words, um, you know, and always ask for clarification. Uh, that'll show that you're, you're actively engaged and, and care about what they're saying. Um, also have some kind of resources on the back burner that you can always quickly run to. Um, for example, at UNM, you know, we have Shack, and I know that Shack is open during normal business hours, but what happens if something occurs after hours? What are my, what are my go-to resources? And that could be things like UNM PD or um, UNMH, emergency department, for example, could be some go-tos. So those are things that I always want to make sure that I'm aware of whenever I'm at an institution of how can I react and act uh, 
to the situation at hand? What resources do I have? So we talk about these types of things in regards to organizations that may oversee some of the drug use um, for for sport. And so the first one we can talk about is say like the NCAA. And the NCAA kind of has its own versions and resources of substance abuse education programs that can help with, you know, developing individual team drug testing or drug policies, alcohol policies, um, developing an athletic department's drug and alcohol policy, helping to review institutional drug and alcohol policies, um, maybe conference championship drug and alcohol policies, um, banned drug substances, testing protocols, so on and so forth. Um, lots of great resources through the NCAA, in addition to resources that help you make sure you're staying compliant with the NCAA. Um, keep in mind that confidentiality with this kind of stuff is extremely important and that you've got to continue to maintain HIPAA, FERPA um, regulations in mind whenever you're doing things, even like drug testing, which could seem very routine and mundane and, and whatnot. Um, even if a drug test comes back positive or normal, it's still covered under HIPAA. You cannot disclose those kinds of things. There are other organizations out there that, that do similar things as the I, uh, NCAA, like the IOC, for example. Um, and the IOC re um, refers to uh, a separate third-party organization called WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. And so WADA is kind of this overarching entity that has lots of subset entities. So in the United States, our version of WADA is called USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency. And so USADA oversees uh, Olympic, Paralympic Games um, and athletes as well as UFC. Um, so, you know, the NFL will have their own, the MLB will have their own versions of these and whatnot. So the, all of these different entities, depending on where you work, you need to make sure that you're you're well versed in what they are telling you and how they um how they operate and what is okay and not okay because certain things may be okay during certain parts of a of a participatory uh, sporting season, uh, but may not be okay or might have different quantity uh, caps uh, during different parts of the season. Uh, lastly, I just want to briefly touch on high schools. High school, we don't see a ton of drug testing, but it's not unheard of either. So drug testing does become a little bit of a logistical issue from high school um, athletes because of the whole minor thing and having needing to have a present, a parent present or a guardian present potentially, as well as you are technically doing an invasive procedure, invasive test by collecting urine samples or blood samples for that case. Um, so those there's a lot of rules that need to be evaluated before something like that can happen. So um, in just kind of some historical perspective, Congress has debated over times to over the years to introduce laws that would require drug testing, uh, education, counseling education from this perspective, but nothing's ever really been enacted because it's just a, such a diverse opinion and array of how these things going to do it. Resources as well. Who's going to pay for this? Um, so on and so forth.